0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: In this episode of Boss Files, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon. We sat down with Dimon in Detroit. Why? Because the bank is betting $100 million on the Motor City we wanted to find out why they're making such a big bet and why diamond says the investment is worth it. We also talked a little politics and of course we talked about the rise of populism and the future of capitalism. We sat down in May in Detroit. I'm glad that my first time sitting down with you is in Detroit because this is a city that I love that I've covered for the past 8 years pre-bankruptcy, during all of it, post-bankruptcy. When you think Detroit. What do you think?
2: So you may not know this, but part of J.P. Morgan Chase was founded in Detroit. Mm-hmm. The National Bank of Detroit, in 1934, was founded by General Motors because obviously a lot of banks were surviving the depression. So it's home. It's one of our homes, and we're the biggest bank here—consumer, commercial, large corporate. So it's it's an important town to us. And, and of course, we we watched Detroit become a train wreck for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so you know, my heart goes out for the people in Detroit. But when we saw this mayor. And this mayor, just practical and thoughtful and not sanctimonious and not ideological. Let's, let's turn the lights on. Let's get sanitation better. Let's take down some abandoned homes. Let's rehab some abandoned homes. Let's get businesses back in town. Uh, we said we're all in to help this, this, uh, this guy and try to help one of our hometowns.
1: Is there a word that comes to mind when you think Detroit?
2: Collaboration. You, you now have in the city a beautiful example of government, not for profit, businesses collaborating to fix it. And you get, and you really get a feeling that Detroit is all in trying to help the people of Detroit, all the people of Detroit. All, you know, not Democrats versus Republicans, all the people of Detroit. And uh, and I think if you came back, if you were here six, seven years ago, you wouldn't say that.
1: Yeah, I was. It, the, the, the words <laughs> was. were much
2: more, you know, scapegoating, finger pointing, yeah. blame, corruption, you know, stuff like that.
1: You should, uh, you <laughs> should hear him tell this story. And perhaps you have of the first time you called his office, yeah. the mayor's office. He said. His assistant said, Jamie Dimon's on the phone. And he said, Well, that's funny. That's the, the name of the, the CEO of JP Morgan. She said, That, that is him. Right. What was that first conversation like when you called and said, I want to do something here?
2: It was great. You know, we, we saw him in action a little bit with the Republican governor. Again, talking about trying to fix the city. So I called him and said, we want to be helpful to you. And we don't just want to come over philanthropy. We want to really be helpful. I'd love to have Peter Shearer, who runs Government Affairs for us, Mm -hmm. and uh, Joe Blickstein, who was was a key part of the team here. I'd love to send some people to talk about what you really need. How can we help accelerate the revival of of Detroit? Because that revival is something we can all be proud of. We watched it collapse, and maybe it will be a great American dream to watch it come back.
1: You've said and warned, don't wait until it's too late and you've written, don't wait until things get worse. What happens if America waits for things to get worse?
2: Well, you've seen it in Puerto Rico, you saw it in Detroit. You know, you, you could look at our long-term fiscal, so it's not in the next 10 years. It's always better to deal with it quicker. You know, unfortunately, sometimes political, the body politic is unable to do that. You have to, the train crash. Or the car crashed before you put up the stop sign, and so I think just people we all have to learn to think ahead, mm-hmm. you know, project, look what we need, and figure it out. And some of those things we actually know what they are. We know where we need infrastructure. We know we need to improve education. We know where the fiscal issue is an issue. But instead of sitting down and looking for solutions, we kind of people, you know, we take ideological point of views and blame the other person, mm-hmm. and that you know that is always the train wreck.
1: You wrote an op-ed along with the mayor. And you wrote, this is not a Detroit story, it's an American story. Right. And you point to other cities facing similar challenges. Yeah. What do you hope, having spent a lot of time in Detroit now over the last two years, other American cities can learn from yeah. Detroit about what works and what doesn't? I was
2: also was making a point that this is one of the few American cities that didn't have a revival. Almost all the other ones that you could mention, Pittsburgh, sure. Cleveland, Steel. they all had a revival. And so this is the one that actually didn't. And uh, but I thought it could be the great American recovery. You know, it was so an American disaster, but somehow we all pulled together at the right point, you know, and pull, pull it out of for, for, the worst zone. But there is a lesson to be learned about what works and what doesn't work. And cities need to compete. They don't need to compete in, in the same way. They're all different. You know, but if you have universities, you have certain businesses, you have certain infrastructure, certain ports, you know, you can devise a strategy that can compete as a city. And a lot of that comp- competition takes place at the city level. And you can look at the long-term problems you might have in education, housing, affordability, and, you know, uh, infrastructure start to attack those problems. Matter of fact, I'm surprised that every city and state and the federal government doesn't have a long-term infrastructure plan. Like, what's the infrastructure we really need? Mm -hmm. Because some of that's fairly predictable. You don't have to guess. Most of it. Exactly. So uh, uh, it would be good to know these things and just to plan for them.
1: So where do you come down on the role and responsibility, emphasis on responsibility of big business? Because JPMorgan Chase, all of these major corporations can't run cities. So what's the role of big business in, in helping right. turn around these American cities and giving these folks that I spent time with today, that you spent time right. with today, more of a shot?
2: Yeah, so I think it's big companies, I say collaboration. So, So obviously government has to do a lot of things. And they, you know they need to do them well to be a place that people want to grow businesses and grow families and stuff like that. So safety, roads, fire, police—absolutely critical things for society. And yes, governments businesses can't do that, but businesses can help. Uh, can help schools train people so they'll hire the people. Businesses can be great to their own people. So most big companies—they already they pay well. They, they educate their people, they train their people, they relocate their people, they give medical benefits, dental benefits, uh, a whole range of benefits, which are, you know, would help lift up society. And they give those benefits to the family. So businesses could be great citizens wherever they are. They could participate in the local Little League, the local church, local synagogue, you know, here we met today with a bunch of entrepreneurs. Yep. And we helped fund some of these entrepreneurs and there are ten of them and they're 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 all minorities, they're they're bright eyed, they're working hard, they're proud of themselves, they're lifting up their families. They also mentioned they're lifting up the, all the families, of their own employees. And so we can help all those things. And so, you know, I think most big companies do that. Mm-hmm. You know, bank you know, the most important thing is that we run the bank but, well, but if we can help do this, we can help every community be better.
1: But that's not all big companies pour hundred million dollars into a city, and that's right. what JP Morgan has done here in Detroit. Right. So it sounds like, to me, you're saying you're doing it because you see a functional government here. You like what the mayor's yes. doing. Would you have done this in past administrations? No, one of the
2: lessons we learned is that, no, we would not have done it for people who we thought we were just going to waste it. And we didn't go traditional J.P. Morgan. We sent in like 30 or 40 people yep. who asked them, what can you need? What can we help accelerate for you? So for example, they didn't know where their, their abandoned homes were. We came up with an idea with a local tech firm to use iPhones, iPads, take pictures, geolocate. Bingo, you know, they already can start to plan. Yeah. That was a million bucks. They wanted entrepreneurship. We funded something to do that. They needed affordable housing. We funded something that on top of our money, another $200 million got lent. Mm-hmm. They needed mm-hmm. uh, mortgages to rehab homes. We funded a program for Liberty Bank. We take the first loss. So they do these non-traditional refi uh, uh, mortgages against homes that are being rebuilt. And so we, across work skills, education, affordable housing, commercial development, uh, uh, we help fund all those things. And hopefully, it's an accelerant. And it's, you know, the mayor is helping bring in other people. Yeah. Uh, it's making you know we've got training in place, and we're coming back all the time. We've got people coming all the time, advising not-for-profits. So it's 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 not just the money; it's the it's the capital uh, input. The lesson to us is that we were more, you know, different parts of the company helping differently. To, but the coordinated effort is far more powerful.
1: The mayor said to me, don't look at this as charity. JP Morgan's gonna make money off this. They see us as smart investment. Is he right?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, we, 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 we want to make America better. So that's not charity. That's, I think, what most American citizens want. So one is traditional business, like we have the largest bank in town. The second is these special things we can do. It's money, but it's also brains. It's knowledge. It's sharing knowledge, and of course, if that helps the community, that's good for us too. So I'm not, you know, it's not that we're—it's pure charity, but it's also our desire to make it a better. Do,
1: do some, you see Detroit as a smart investment? As, as a lot of people, as the world watches, J.P. Morgan, you bet on Detroit.
2: I, I hope so. You know, look, I mean, if it doesn't work, I'll feel far worse for the people of Detroit than I do for J.P. Morgan. Hmm. You know, so, uh, but yes, I hope it makes. I hope it can be a little part of turning around this great city.
1: You have spoken a lot about education and at the core of all of this is education. Detroit's public schools are on their knees. They are in utter disrepair. They're gonna run out of money by the end of the summer. They can't pay their teachers by the end of the summer. They have three and a half billion dollars in outstanding debt. How can Detroit truly rise if its schools don't get better?
2: This, this is probably one of the biggest disasters, not to just Detroit, a lot of inner-city schools in America.
1: But Detroit's the worst- I I
2: understand, but but Americans should understand that 50% or something like that of the kids in inner-city schools, often poor, often minority, don't graduate, and the ones that do don't necessarily have the skills to have a job. That is the biggest disgrace in this country. We should be ringing an alarm bell on every hilltop and every mountaintop and saying, this shouldn't be allowed. Among those people not graduating, there might be a Steve Jobs or a Barack Obama. Hmm. We'll never know. And so here, it's it's worse. I'm not an expert in the situation here, but it's pretty bad in a lot of places. And what we need is again, we need those schools having the right curriculum, the right teachers, the right help, the right money. Uh, but the jo- the point to, to high school, community school, is to also when you leave have a job. So one of the things we're doing, right. to spend a lot of time, on is what are the jobs they need here? What's the curriculum that could be helped there? So that if you you know if a business walks in and says, I need A, B, and C, by the way, I'll teach your teachers help that part of the curriculum, help that. and these kids are coming up properly trained, yeah. I'm gonna hire them. And that, there's a great example here, they mentioned today, that one of the entrepreneurs, that you go through diesel training school, so repairing diesel engines, right. $90,000 we get out in nine months, and the jobs are for the wanting. And that's the type of stuff, hooking up at a local level, what's the education needed, what are the jobs. And those kids can go on to college too, by the way. So you're not taking away a college future, you're simply saying, here are all your options. And one is to earn a good living immediately. Well, and
1: they have Detroit Promise, which gives <clears throat> community college fully funded to every high school graduate here, right. if they can make it that far.
2: Right. But, but again, the important thing is that when they get out, they have the job. You, Having a community college degree and you get out and you have no job is, is a sense of hopelessness. So my point is that they have to work together with local yeah. businesses to make sure that what they're being taught is what the businesses need.
1: You've called it, and I quote, a true disgrace. Yeah. Talking about the fact that we have 5 million open jobs in this country right now and the skilled labor force isn't there. Why, Jamie, do you think it has been acceptable to the American public to keep electing officials on the local and national level and it's not changing? This has been happening for a long time with education.
2: I I don't know, but that's why when I looked at what happened in Detroit, it it just made me feel great. The mayor and the governor are talking about improving the schools, improving the sanitation. And it wasn't about ideology. It wasn't about finger pointing. It was about this is the problem. Let's describe it. Let's dissect it. Let's do something about it. And that's the Two pro- men from different political parties. <laughs> totally different political parties. And they, didn't, they weren't pointing fingers at each other.
1: So what do you say to those who point to Wall Street, to the big banks, and say, you were part of creating this mess? The mortgage meltdown the foreclosures they point to detroit and they say you were part of this and what do you say to them
2: you know jp morgan uh you know jp morgan did not need tarp money jp morgan obviously made mistakes and stuff like that but but it, it, to me we were also steadfast so if you talking about J.P. when we were here in the darkest moments for everybody at all time we didn't run, we didn't hide. You know, all the big banks rolled over trillions of dollars of loans when, when the marketplace wasn't willing to. So, uh, but you know, look, we, we made mistakes. We try to admit the mistakes, learn from them, and move on. And, you know, we've paid a heavy price for them. And a lot of the mortgage stuff you're talking about my mistake, buying Bear Stearns and Wamu. Okay? And I probably shouldn't have done it.
1: You've spent a significant amount of time here over the last two years. Is there one moment, Jamie, one person? one business who sticks in your mind as you think about Detroit and this investment?
2: I'd say there are two, the mayor and Dan Gilbert. And I'm sure there are others. I, I should be giving credit to them. But Dan, Dan's been doing wonderful stuff here. He's taught us and asked us to do a lot of stuff here that's been great. First of all, he moved Quicken Loans here.
1: And bought a ton it, of real estate. He
2: bought a ton of real estate. He redeveloped the real estate. And he's got a, a business startup venture, and venture capital venture. He's involved in lots of different things. But that, you know, the energy, the brains, mm-hmm. working with the mayor, that's the type of stuff that actually works.
1: What about some of the average folks, these minority entrepreneurs that you've met? What struck you from what they've said?
2: it almost brings tears to your eyes uh they first of all they'll talk about the help they got from the mayor the help they got from promise detroit the help they got from uh i forgot the name tech uh tech town the help they got from jp morgan the help they got from some of our people who advise them how to do projections and plans and then they're working so hard to make the business succeed but how proud they are and you know they will talk about the faith they had in themselves to keep going when people said no you can't do it uh, so the little bit of lift they got from other people and now there are eight successful businesses there and and uh, you know that that's the story of America by the way we should applaud that these have, these were minorities they were helped by this uh, f- uh, entrepreneur fund for color, for people of color we have but but they're just beautiful stories and they you know they're ha- it's happening all over the city now and you know I think that's going to be a big part I think there're 60,000 small businesses here 50,000 minority owned you know if you can make it mm-hmm. th- to 60,000 70,000 that mm-hmm. can make all the difference
1: this is a five-year investment by J.P. Morgan Chase. We're two years in, you're two years into this. When you look at this five years down the road from the investment, what will tell you that it was a success? What's your measure of success?
2: I'm not like gonna, if I had to pick one or two, okay? So yep. the unemployment's gone from 17% to, to 11. Okay. If it goes to eight, seven, six, that's success. The mayor talks about the population. If the population is going up and they actually think it may have gone up in the last six months for the first time in, Twenty or thirty years. He's
1: betting his and, re-election on it.
2: Yes, and real estate values, which he mentions, an important thing that shows that that, that everything's starting to work. That people want to move here, they want to live here, they want to raise families here. Uh, so he's going to keep a close eye on that.
1: Do you talk to other CEOs about Detroit? Do you talk to them about investing in America's cities in this way? Do they talk not, to you about it? Do they ask uh, about few, it?
2: I've spoken to several about it, but not not in unbelievable detail. But. But they they read about they hear about they've contacted our staff and you know read some of the things we do and we all look at you know we all look at what we can do to help each other sometimes so. i just
1: wonder if you think yeah. this is going to be a trend because i've seen more of sort of the ceo of statesman if you will sort of stepping in where government isn't or can't or what have you if we're going to see more and more big businesses stepping in in these ways in yeah. America's cities
2: I, I, I think the answer is probably but i think the other Big secret is they've already been doing it for years. So these a lot of these big companies have been hugely not just philanthropic, but look, you know, the government was talking about hiring veterans. So we were one of the founding partners of the, the hundred thousand jobs mission, and it wasn't just yeah yeah let's hire veterans. It wasn't one person's effort. It was everyone participated. So everyone got the same branding. Mm-hmm. But we you know Stanley McChrystal chaired the board. We have Roger Stowe back on the board. But we actually did a lot of analysis. Where are the kids coming out? What are they trained in? Let's help them write resumes. Let's recruit on the bases. The 100,000 jobs mission has hired 300,000 vets. It's now a, a million, okay? And that's all these companies. I think there are 300 companies participating. It's wide open, anyone wants to do it. And so, yeah, I think these big companies have o- often done that, very often locally. So you travel around this country and you go to like small towns, it's sometimes the local big business that actually funds lot. I do a lo- that a
1: lot, I see it a they, lot.
2: Yeah, and you see in a lot of these cities that mm-hmm. they have always played a very big role in civic society.
1: Since you were diagnosed uh, and treated for cancer, you've said that one of the things that has changed for you is that you don't automatically assume that you'll live for 10 plus more years. And you've said that you are living more deliberately. Yeah. Has that tied in at all to things like this? No. No.
2: No. I mean, it's more of a day-to-day thing. I've always talked about, you know, if you ask, if my, if this is my personal life. The yeah. most important thing was family, then country. I think this country is an amazing country, and people, you know, in the political debate, we don't hear it all the time. But what we have in universities, skills, financial markets, work ethic, innovation, friendly neighbors, all the food, water, and energy we need—it's extraordinary. Doesn't mean we don't have problems enough to fix. And uh, and then you know, down below there's J.P. Morgan, but this J.P. Morgan is the best contribution I can make. I'm not a singer, I'm not a tennis player, I'm not a media purse star. I, I run a company, if I do a great job as a company, I can help our employees, I can help our clients, I can help our community. So Detroit was just a special effort for the reasons I already mentioned.
1: So what does that mean then, Jamie, living more deliberately? That struck me when I heard it.
2: Yeah, it means, it means I tell you, everyone knows they're going to die. But at you know, one point it's, it's right here and you realize that it's true, and it's true and maybe sooner than you think. And so that you, you want to, it. it's nice to end every day by saying, that was a good day. You know, every meeting, that was a good meeting. Every week. And by, I got the term from a, late, a reporter, Julia Baird, who wrote for the Wall Street Journal, who I called up. She had had cancer. And I called her and I said, I just read your, your article. Said, it made me tear up. And uh, so I just think it's a good lesson that that's the one real change, at least I felt.
1: Let me ask you about your time in Silicon Valley. You just got back from five days in Silicon Valley. And you pretty now... Famously said, Silicon Valley is coming.
2: Yeah, well, they're here.
1: They're here. Uh, how big of a threat is Silicon Valley when it comes to to banking, as we know it today? How big of an opportunity is it? How are you it's, handling? It's all it? that.
2: I'm not. Look, I mean, here's the, the important things. So first, I think it's a good thing. That is capitalism, where people are looking to do things better, faster, quicker than the, than the incumbents, and that's been going on our whole lives. That's a good thing. It's a good thing, even if it's in my own business. You know, they're looking for things that they can do better. Banks is too slow here, banks are this cost too much here. So I think it's a good thing.
1: Well they're right on some of the things. They're, of right? course,
2: No, of course. But that's but that's true everywhere, right? That you know, so part of the reason we go there is to learn. Now Silicon Valley, it's not just I'm not gonna believe that like technology is different. Technology's been doing this in our business for fifty years. I mean, computers created mutual funds, you know, people come, every product we do is a lot cheaper than it was before. You can do things on this little phone that, you know, move money, move F buy FX, mm-hmm. do interest rate swap soon you know, P2P, all these wonderful things, online bill pay that you couldn't do before. So the cost has been coming down and we use technology to serve you in the way you want, online, on mobile, uh, uh, at your desk, whatever it is you want. So, so they're good at technology, but I, but I also think they're good at front to back thinking. They're looking for the pain points. They're looking at why does it take 10 days? Why can't it take 15 seconds? And those are all great questions. None of them can not we do ourselves. OK, so it isn't like we're, we're dead in the water and we are very good at using some of these things. And when we see them doing something. They're absolutely right. You say That's absolutely right. What, why is it taking 10 days when we actually could have done it? We actually could do it in 15 seconds. So we actually do like a credit card approval small business in 15 seconds.
1: So are they, is Silicon yeah. Valley winning the quote unquote talent war over Wall Street right now, Jamie? When you go out there and you meet the folks that are running these companies and the, the young, brilliant minds, yeah. are you...
2: There are Thinking young, bright minds, but we are gonna be very competitive. We're not, we're not losing talent. We are chock full of talent. We can hire uh, most people we want. We've got a data, uh, big data group that's as good as almost any big data group out there, digital, digital group, as good as any digital group out there. Uh, social media, we're very good at, though they're way ahead of us. Uh, you know, we, are, we have 42,000 technologists. We are quite good at it. We do have. When you look at banking, there's some things that, that we I tell we, we create torture points for for <laughs> clients. And some and it's not regulations. The very often it's just our own bureaucracy or antiquated right. systems, and we have to go fix it. So we are. So when we look when I look at some of the things. So they're, they're doing,
1: keeping you on your toes. Of course.
2: And then you know Jeff Bezos uh, should point also says you know your margin is my opportunity. Yep. In some of these cases, they charge more. The so reason- you
1: see, their margin is your opportunity.
2: Absolutely, they charge more, and I can do everything they're doing. Okay, and, and, yeah. and, and but they're so good at making it easier for a customer, like like the uh, experience is online from beginning to end. Where sometimes we make it online at the beginning, but you got to go to the branch for X, Y, or Z. So we, we'll we'll learn a lot, and we're we're willing to compete or collaborate. We're not. It's not, I don't have a preconceived notion. I think there's some wonderful smart people there, and you know we've already partnered with a few, and and we actually own pieces of tons of them, and we partnered with a hundred, mm. and we'll, we'll partner with more. And I don't mind competing either.
1: Yeah. Another question. But I'm not
2: going to be, I doubt I'll be sitting here in five years saying, my God, we lost all our business to Silicon Valley. No, but you do
1: have to focus on, and you are focusing on the millennials because.
2: Yeah, and we're doing doing a great job with them. We are opening millennial accounts, it's the largest segment now. They love our online banking. So are the studies wrong when
1: Brookings comes out and and puts these numbers forward that said, I think it was 71% of people would rather go to the dentist than talk to their traditional banker at a big bank? Or there are. So many sort of unbanked Millennials. Is that not a concern point?
2: Yeah, but I always find it funny when they survey people about what they would do with their money when they have no money. So what's the first thing a millennial does when he gets a job? Oh, the what's the Millennials have money. They, what, well, I'm talking about when they first get a job. What's the first thing they do when they get a job?
1: Open a bank account. With
2: direct deposit. And they love our online banking. I think we're probably the leading bank there. So, of course, I want to serve them. So we're, we're doing it hard, And they, but we serve them all the time and they like our services. Okay, and I read those surveys too, and there's, yeah, there is, a, there is this disconnect. Down. Well, it hurts my feelings sometimes. There is this disconnect, <laughs> but the fact is, we're winning their business, and I'm convinced we're going to continue winning their business. We have to do it their way. They right. they operate differently than you know other generations, but that's been true every generation too. The next generation always operates slightly differently. Radio changed this, and TV changed that, and you know telephone changed that, and internet changed that, mobile changed that. They have to reach out to them in the way that they're they're comfortable.
1: A Harvard study just came out that I found fascinating. It found only 19% of Americans between age 18 and 29 identified themselves as capitalists. Only 42% in that group even said that they supported capitalism. Jamie, when you hear those numbers, when you see those stats, what do you think?
2: Yeah, it it surprises me too. Uh, First, there's a great quote by George Bernard Shaw. He said, a young man who isn't a capitalist, a young man who isn't a socialist has no heart. An older man who's in a capitalist has no brain. Mm. My whole life, I've seen every generation that graduates college coming out with big heart and they want to change the world, as I did, as I still do. So I completely sympathize with that. That one caught me off guard because I'm not sure that the American public knows that socialism means the government owns everything. And I'm not sure that's really what they mean. I think what they, and you gotta divide, what they mean is they saw this big problem, they're mad at big institutions. all big institutions, the Congress, You know, big banks, big companies have all been kind of discredited, you know, sometimes fairly, sometimes unfairly. Uh, uh, But I don't think it's a good thing, and and, you know, a lot of people think we're not educating the kids about entrepreneurism, history, liberty, freedom, you know, what built America, made it great, and that they're falling into this trap of, you know, (laughs) that socialism is what didn't work a lot of places. And and, uh, so it it is a little surprising.
1: You've said, I understand the anger. What do you mean?
2: Well, I understand when the average American says, I didn't cause this problem, they look at the elites in their opinion, you know, big banks, big companies, Wall Street, uh, Washington. And I, I understand that. And I understand too that there are segments who've been left behind and they're angry. I understand that too, which is why you know, I'd be a huge supporter of greatly expanding the earned, earned income tax credit. Which and is what ma-
1: Warren Buffett has also said to- we should to- do I for totally years. And,
2: and make it a negative tax for individual workers. So that, and I think it would, it would be cheap relative to the, what it would create for the society. I think that we, if you do a trade deal, uh, that you should have really powerful trade assistance for those who are hurt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trade's been proven to be hugely beneficial, mm-hmm. but it's beneficial for 99% of people. But that 1% or whoever it is that gets hurt, we should say to them, if you're, gonna, if you're hurt, we're gonna have income assistance, relocation, business redevelopment, all the things you said, that's fair. That's fair. We shouldn't hold back the progress from trade and technology, but you know it's fair to lift up the people that are hurt by it, as opposed to killing the golden goose. You know, people think some of we stop technology, we'll create more jobs. You know, we we'll just create. There's a great quote. Milton, Fried, Milton Friedman once said, I think he was in China somewhere and they were digging a road, and they were using shovels, and the person said. Uh, He said, why are you using shovels? Good good question, Mr. Friedman. We're using shovels because we can employ a lot more people. Jobs. As opposed to those big backhoes over there. And Mr. Friedman said, oh, in that case, why don't you use spoons?
1: On this note, is there a need for a more inclusive form of capitalism? There have been reports about meetings you've had with Warren Buffett, leaders of other big banks, companies, about sort of, Long-term thinking rather than just short-term investment versus long-term gain. Do we need a more a new form of capitalism?
2: You know, part that's a complicated question. What you mean by inclusive? It is. First, we want we should have an economy that works for everybody. Absolutely. Now, I'm I'm a little cautious to say what's long-term and short-term because in a free society, it's long-term to you, maybe short-term to you, and vice versa, and that's your choice. So I'm a little worried about people dictating what they mean. So a
1: more inclusive capitalism yeah, when you look at those Harvard numbers right it's it that shocks a lot yeah. of people
2: that may be education not capitalism but 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 I do agree we should make it more inclusive in a way that people feel better we're long we're investing for the long run we're fixing the infrastructure people need we're improving lives all the time we're lifting up you know society lifts up everybody's lifted up mm-hmm. I think that's better for society and that's that's far beyond just shareholders that's more about how you run government and uh, companies etc
1: I do want to talk about the populist anger that has carried yeah. Uh, some of these campaigns, and we've seen it in uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign, and we've seen it in Donald Trump's campaign. Um, have you ever seen this much anger from the public at uh, the financial sector and just big corporations in general? And, and how do you think it manifests itself? What has this become?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert in that. I, I read a lot of history, and yes, we've seen it many times before. And you know, sometimes it's justified, sometimes it's not, and sometimes it's finger pointing. Sometimes it's blaming everybody for the acts of one. I, so I, I don't know how it's going to manifest itself. I've already talked about what we, we have it so good, but we should acknowledge the flaws. Like We've mentioned trade. we mentioned education. we mentioned we have long-term fiscal issues. We haven't done proper infrastructure planning. I agree we should do that. But I think Democrats should acknowledge that Republicans are terribly afraid of pork, You know, bad spending, bridges to nowhere, for good reason. I think Republicans should acknowledge that we desperately need infrastructure desperately. Airports, bridges, tunnels, roads, hospitals. And then we should roll up our sleeves and get to work and figure out the way to do it well. And so I think if we do all these things right, I think America will be booming. So I'm just hoping the next president focuses on those things. Do you have
1: hope that that's going to happen? I mean, this, this, we've needed that for a long time.
2: Yeah, I, I have some hope it'll happen. Because, look, you and I, have, people aren't particularly good at forecasting exactly what the next president does or how they're going to act or what they have to deal with. And uh, and you know, Warren Buffett points out the unbelievable resilience of the American system and you know the, both the checks and balances and you know, eventually people roll up their sleeves. And sometimes the, the, what you see the, causing the problem will have other effects that may fix it. Mm-hmm. So you know, maybe the anger and stuff will get people to focus on, okay, now what are the solutions? You, you, you and I, you think I, I, could agree, I could agree, I
1: can agree,
2: because I could sit across the table from anyone and say, I agree, income inequality hasn't been fair. And I say, but what would you do about it? How do we fix that? You know, and and how do we fix it in a way that actually improves society? The the ways to fix it, you know, if it's pure populism, you can look at Venezuela, Argentina, North Korea, Cuba, Ecuador. That's not going to fix it. You know, if if you talk about policies that work, look at, you know, countries like Singapore, South Korea, certain cities in America, certain states in America that lift up all their people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to me, it's really important the policy be properly designed. It's not enough just to say, you know, to get angry over over a subject.
1: But there is a lot of anger right now, and you you wrote about the political environment in your annual yeah. letter to shareholders, and, and you pointed to what you call a breeding of mistrust and misunderstanding. What's your assessment of this election and the political <clears throat> environment right now?
2: It's, ter- it's terrible, but it is what it is. I mean, I, I can't change. I'm just one citizen. Does and, it uh, but but what I don't like about the breeding of mistrust, and I've said, is that denigrating classes of people Scapegoating, finger pointing. Every time someone says something, you say, "Oh, they're complaining." All those things are actually just trying to diminish the other person. None of them are saying, "Are they right or are they wrong, and what should we do about it?" And I pointed out in that, in that letter the people I like that, the, that 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 resonate with me that fix things. Bob Gates would be one who just wrote about leadership and how he tried to deal with some of these issues. Abraham Lincoln never denigrated, never scapegoated, never finger pointed. You know, and he had reason to. You know, and but he would get people to work together to solve great problems that America is facing. And those problems were worse, by the way. So when you look at America, you know, one thing is to be yelling at each other, another thing is to be killing each other. And so those problems were worse, and you know, he held the country together and got people to work together in in a wonderful way. You also
1: wrote in your annual letter, you said all of us should listen to great thinkers who have an alternative point of view. Yeah. So who do you listen to that's a great thinker that has an alternative point of view
2: from Which is very smart to analyze issues. Uh, Arthur Brooks, uh, uh, David Brooks, uh, I know I mentioned all the conservatives now, George Will, uh, uh, Holman Jenkins. You no, know, they're, not, they're not wrong, you know, I love, uh, I think Paul Ryan's wonderful. I think there are people on the other side, too, that just, they are very thoughtful about why these things are important, how societies go about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we, sh- we, we become more knee-jerk We've turned principles into ideology. And once it's ideology, your feet are stuck in cement. You can't move anymore. You can barely breathe. And then you just be angry. So, you know, if you watch Fox and you go home at night and, yeah, they're right, you know, those terrible... Or you go home and watch NBC, MSNBC, they're just jazzing you up. You're just being manipulated. Learn to think for yourself about what the issues are, what the potential solutions are, what the unintended consequences are of policy issues. Because it's very easy to say, we'll do this. And very often it has the opposite effect.
1: You think. the American public is being manipulated, in a sense. In this, la- we're allowing
2: ourselves to be jazzed up by. I always say in management, you know, don't allow people walking up to jazz you up and get you angry. J- you're just being manipulated. When that happens, you know. So I tell people, if you walk in my room, I say, you know, I'm not your messenger. Go tell them yourself,
1: All right, I want- or,
2: or or write it down and tell me what you would do about it, as opposed to just try to get me angry. I want
1: to ask your your take on a few specific policy proposals that. Have- been, been put out there. Uh, when it comes to trade, you brought up trade. Donald Trump has talked uh, repeatedly about a 35% tariff on goods imported to this country from Mexico and China. Meg Whitman, CEO of HP, said that will throw this country into a massive recession. Is she right?
2: I don't. I, Donald Trump also will say that I'm the negotiator. I want a better deal. So I don't know if he means the 35%. I, I think a well-structured trade agreements are good for America. Every now and then they've been structured in a way that hurts certain people. So I think it's, per, and I already mentioned trade assistance. So I do think there are legitimate issues because they say it's not working for everybody. and But it, it works in general. So I'm in, generally in favor of trade, properly done. And so. Uh, but
1: would when, tariffs like that throw this country in a recession?
2: I, I'd have to think hard about that. I don't know. I, I, the problem with tariffs like that is that the retaliation, and everyone started, I mean, we went through that after the Great Depression, or before the Great Depression, and, mm-hmm. but like I said, Donald Trump keeps on saying he's a negotiator. Mm-hmm. I, I, we'll see what he means when he you know, has, can actually negotiate.
1: You wrote again in your letter, technology and globalization are the best things that ever happened to mankind, mm-hmm. but we need to help those left behind. Mm-hmm. What are the solutions that you think will actually help those left behind that can be implemented now that businesses, can look to to do, the government can and should do.
2: Yeah. Earned income tax credit, fixing any city school education, combining work skill industry programs in every city, state, and hamlet so that people have jobs uh, uh, and all those various things. Getting the economy growing, I mean, that should be number one on the list because that will help more than anything. Getting wage, you know wages are starting to go up, but getting a little more wage inflation and you know that will that will accrue to the lower income folks. So I think all those things would help enormously. And we've got to get at them right away. And I do agree it's an issue. And if people have better ideas, we should do those too. I'm not saying we should only do those four. Let's do 10 of them.
1: How big of an issue? You say we have to get it, at it right away, because the gap's been growing for a long time. How critical is it to address income inequality?
2: I think it should be on the issue that the next president should face, and they should have an open mind about how we're going to fix it in the, in the short run. Uh, I think by those, the ideas I mentioned, I think we'll do a long way to doing that get growth going again, earn them tax credits. I think it's fine to raise minimum wages. I'm a little cautious about doing a national one as opposed to let the states find the best one for them because all states are in a different position. Their businesses are in a different position. But, so
1: take New York City, uh, the most expensive city in the country, $15 an hour. That fight, is that the right level?
2: I, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't studied New York City in detail. Mm-hmm. But you know, probably New York City and California could probably afford it because they're very wealthy states. And you know, if you went to other states, they probably couldn't. It would probably drive a lot of people unemployed, and I think that would be a mistake.
1: Thank you very much,
2: Jamie. You're welcome. I appreciate thank your time. Thank you. Thanks appreciate a lot. It.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Boss Files. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Poppy Harlow CNN.
0: When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level.